It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we do our best to connect the dots between who we are as physical, spiritual, emotional, and intellectual people. And we are complex to say the very, very least. But if you don't keep these legs in balance, then it's, you know, I guess you would say you're going to be off balance and it's going to be difficult to have your best life, which is what the show is all about. So I have as a returning guest uh, with me, one of my favorite people to work with. He and I did some programs together years ago called Upsize Your Soul. And uh, his name is Trey Malakote. And we are going to be talking about navigating in the post-COVID area. And uh, so it's, it's kind of um, fitting, uh, given that we still aren't out of this pandemic, at least that's what the news would have you believe. And I'm not so sure that that isn't for other reasons, but um, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, before we get started, I want to remind you that all of the shows are archived at www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And uh, there's about 260 or 270 shows there now because we've been doing this for quite a long time. You're also going to see a link to Boomers Forever Young. And that is a nutritional company that I use. I've used it for five years. And I would encourage you to go in there, sign up for their free health newsletter. Uh, it can be sent to you electronically. It has a lot of great articles. And um, understand that the two things that will keep you the healthiest is knowing your D as in dog three score, which needs to be above 70. It's a simple blood test and your C-reactive protein score, which needs to be below 0.5. I will tell you that when I went in for my physical in March, my D3 test showed that I was 100 and my C-reactive protein uh, which again is the inflammation in your body. Mine was a 0.1. So I know these products work. I know that in order to stay healthy, you can't just rely on medication or on a vaccine. Um, that might do part of it, but the rest of it is up to us. And so we have to take personal responsibility for our health. So welcome to the show again, Trey. And uh, Let's go ahead and start talking about uh, this topic of navigating in this post-COVID uh, arena that we are in these days. Yeah, thank you, Lucy. It's really nice to be with you. You know, COVID, I believe, and this might sound crazy, but you know, you know, my background is in trauma and really understanding how people navigate through fear and stress and change and some of the most difficult circumstances. And as I look back on the last three years, and even a bit further back, but the primarily, primarily the last three years, what I've realized is that what we've all been through is literally the greatest psychological blow that most people have ever experienced. And as a result, I think that some things are occurring. Uh, for instance, the, the coping toolbox that people have used in the past to navigate the world is now strained. People aren't coping as well. I think the second thing that's occurring is that uh, the people's nervous systems, their fight or flight mechanisms are now 
in a higher state of activity and people people's bodies and their their minds are not as controlled as they used to be. I think the third thing that's occurred is that because of isolation and uh, fear and all the other things that have occurred, what we've been forced to do is dive into an existential crisis effectively. And so as I think about navigating this post-COVID era, how we're gonna function and what we need to do, what I'd like to begin with is the idea of when someone's faced with an existential crisis, which fundamentally, all that means is they're asking the bigger meaning of life questions. Is there a God? Why does suffering happen? Why does pain happen in the world? How do we find peace? These questions that most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about. When we're confronted with having to ask these questions, most people are terrified by them. And so what I'd like to suggest is if you want to navigate well, you need to first step into this existential journey and begin to make meaning. Um, what I'd like to do is pose a question to you. As you think about this COVID experience that you've been through, what existential questions do you think it's brought to the forefront of your mind? Oh, I, I, I would guess one of the biggest ones for me is what can I do to help other people get through whatever it is they're going through? Because by helping them, I'm also helping me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, you know, that is an ongoing question. If, if I'm working with somebody in a counseling capacity and they've had relatives die, if they've had, um, you know, themselves gone through COVID and maybe they've been vaccinated in many, many cases they have been and they still got COVID and they still are experiencing some of the after effects and they don't know when they're going to go away. It forces you to sort of look in the mirror and say, am I doing what's really important in my life? Or do I need to shift and maybe look at life a little differently now? So it's driven you to a place of exploration around motivation, passion, compassion, how you're investing in others. That's, that's beautiful. Now, if I were to springboard off of that, what I would suggest that people do is, and by the way, we've seen this with the great resignation, Give yourself the time and the freedom to ask those bigger questions like, what does give me a sense of meaning and purpose and value? How do I want to live my life? Where am I going to find the greatest sense of peace? If I am struggling, how long do I want to allow that struggle to occur before I'm going to make effort to do something different? I think that, that right now, Part of the reason we've seen this mass resignation is that people are saying they want more from life. They want to create joy. They want to create peace. They want a sense of purpose. They want meaning in their lives. And the first step to discovering meaning is identifying what gives you a great sense of value and purpose and joy, and then looking for ways to stand in that on mm. a regular basis. Now, herein lies the challenge, though. What COVID has really done to us is forced us, okay, let me rewind. We have three options through which we can live our lives. We can live through a past orientation, 
which is based on how the world should have been, what you did, how you acted, what you thought, what you wish you would have done, what you could have done. It's referencing your world through a lens that's evaluative based on your past. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people believe that they are a record, that they're an expression of their past. They believe that their past is uh, the, the uh, hinge point effectively for how they should function. People reference their past to look for their lineage and their truth and the way that, um, you know, uh, uh, people keep their past in the forefront of their minds because they think they're going to forget something. But the truth of the matter is you've already lived it. And so if you're in a past orientation, you will always be stuck in a place of compare and despair. Right. We've got to move out of that. The other option that people often employ is looking at their future. How do I want the world to be? What are my goals? What are my objectives? If only I get to this point, I'll be happy. It's always looking for something outside of you and trying to find a sense of meaning when in fact, here's the myth. If we're fixated on our future, we're fixated on an illusion. And so people can have goals and objectives for their lives and a desire to make their lives look and feel a certain way. But ultimately, that's a futile attempt to control something that we really can't control. So our future as an illusion is a place that's, that's uh, we're wasting time when we're stuck in our future. Mm -hmm. Now, the solution in terms of navigating through this COVID experience is to learn how to stay really, really present. And in so doing, we then are able to say, what am I consciously creating right here, right now? How am I functioning? What am I thinking about? What conditions do I hold? What judgments are impeding upon me? Uh, what expectations do I have? And how can I live so presently that I'm literally creating every experience? And I believe that to get to the present is the fastest way to eliminate the external fears of the past or the future. And so I wanna draw people to a place where they say, how am I consciously creating in the present moment? Now, a question for you, how do you do that? How do you create intentionally? Mm. I don't know whether I can even describe how I do it, quite honestly. Um, one of the things that I teach uh, in my counseling is how to keep our energy centers that are chakras, how to keep them all in alignment. Because if you are in alignment, then you are receiving and providing right at the moment. Uh -huh. You will know, be, um, uh, I guess, accessing knowledge that isn't yours per se, but it's coming from a universal source, say, whether it's your guardian angel or whether it's your spiritual guide or maybe whoever. But I believe that um, we are constantly guided personally. And, but we have to be able to hear, not just use our ears, but we have to listen for that guidance. And then the synchronicities open up. Mm -hmm. But if we're so busy focused on the what ifs, or our fears, or the past that we didn't, you know, measure up to, or fear about the future that we're not ever going to get to, mm -hmm. then we don't hear anymore. We don't, we don't have that ability to listen. So for me, I have learned, especially I think in the last couple of years, to just be quiet and listen. 
you know, go to your heart, which is your intuitive center and listen to what your heart is telling you to do. And that has to be done in the present. It can't be done any other way. Yeah. Well, what you're addressing is really the idea of trusting your own perspective, trusting your intuition, being present to your energy, being present to your thoughts. It's about being curious in the experience. Mm -hmm. And I think to be very, very present, one of the easiest ways to do that is to simply shift from evaluating to being curious. Mm -hmm. What is this? How can I interact with it? What does this mean to me? How do I want to perceive this? How am I going to react? Giving yourself freedom to do that. Now, you said something that I think is pivotal, though. In this existential journey, people were forced to go within. And most people are terrified of silence, solitude, and actually listening to themselves. Right, right. Now, they're afraid of that, though, because they're so rooted in their past that they think to sit in silence means to go back to a process of self-flagellation or self-abuse. Right, right. And well, so or somebody that, else that was abusing them emotionally. Absolutely. Some story. And what I want you to think about is to live presently in terms of this existential experience, to go within is to realize that the answer lies within you. Mm -hmm. It does. Absolutely. One of the cool things, you and I both love the same park and you're pretty far from it. And now I'm at least an hour and 20 minutes from it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I used to go to it throughout COVID uh, and that's Crystal Beach. Mm -hmm. And every time I went, I went with the attitude of what surprise is going to be there, you know, because it was just like, I would always have a visit with a blue jay or an osprey or, you know, a rosy spoonbill or a manatee or a dolphin, but there'd always be something that would come. And if it's that expectation of, you know, this is like a child's curiosity, like you said before, it's the expectation of, oh, wow, life is amazing. Mm -hmm. And if you have that as your mindset, then the universe goes, whoa, this person is ready to receive. Yeah. So let's springboard off of that. You say, what surprise is going to unfold? Uh -huh. right? One of the things that I've been practicing is taking that same concept and applying it to all of my relational experiences. So for example, sometimes people go, let's say they have a plan to go out with friends or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever. And they, they set up all sorts of expectations about how that evening's gonna unfold and what they're gonna do and uh, what they're gonna eat and what kind of sex they're gonna have, what they're gonna, you know, we just create this whole story before we ever jump into it, mm -hmm. right? That's and a romance of, novel. <laughs> right. And all of those expectations actually set up the potential for failure. Mm -hmm. So instead, what I'm practicing is looking at every interaction and saying, I know that this is going to work out beautifully. Something brilliant is going to occur. And what's going to surprise me in this experience? That's the act of becoming curious. Mm -hmm. And what's been really, really interesting is that if you abandon all of those expectations about what you think is supposed to occur and you simply let it unfold, that's when the manatee arrives or the, the blue jay or the metaphorically speaking and literally speaking. 
right? Right. So, and I think it's about being aware to the possibility of what's unfolding with you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really, really critical piece. Now, here's the second thing I'm seeing with a lot of people. They're, what COVID did was put death right in our face. I'll give you an example. I did a speaking gig in Spokane a couple of weeks ago. And in preparation for the process, I had the mask and all the stuff you got to do these days to travel. And I thought I was being incredibly safe and doing my thing and following all the guidelines. And lo and behold, I got home Thursday night, Friday morning, feeling like hammered, just whatever. And I had gotten COVID. And as a result, what I found was the first day, you know, it just felt like a a flu, basically. And of course, I've had vaccines and all the other stuff you got to do. But what I noticed was the first day I spent trying to manage my mind around my mortality. Uh If I, you know, is this going to take me out of the equation? Right? Right. Now, that's one of the things that that's occurred. And it's a subtle shift. We're now facing our own mortality. But what I've come to learn is that, first of all, when we think about our own mortality, I think if you were to ask the average person, they'd say, no, I don't want to die. Death scares me. Death's uncertain. And my question about that is, why do we need to look at it that way? Why do we need to look at it as something that's scary and and problematic? problematic. Well, we look at it that way because no one really knows. And so if people don't really know what happens after this plane of existence, then um, they, we start to speculate, well, is it going to be painful? Am I just going to become dust? Am I not going to have any meeting? Am I going to heaven? We, we, have, we try to construct a reality around what we think we're leaning into, But here's what I find so ironic or so interesting. We live this life, effectively, we're born and we die. And life is the dash between those two numbers. Yes, it is. And when we die, we spend an an enormous amount of time, an enormous amount of the dash, thinking about the finality of our lives and worrying about it. But here's the, the irony, when we die, does it really matter? Mm. We're done, right? Right. right. And you can't take it with you. And no. everybody's got to deal with all your stuff. <laughs> right. And so we spend an enormous amount of time thinking about all this stuff that we really have no perceptions of, no control over. And we'll either create a, a, a fantasy about what we think that's going to be like, or we simply say, we do not know but it will be okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because ultimately it will, right? So what I would invite people to think about is, you know, when you think about death and illness, what are your greatest fears? Or is it the idea that your life is over and you're meaningless now? Is it the fact that you might suffer? Is it the fact that you subscribe to this heaven and hell concept and you have that duality in your mind. Um, you know, what does it mean when you die? And if you can reconcile yourself to that idea, you then have a greater sense of peace because you're not wasting all that energy saying, what if and how's it going to unfold? Right, right, right. I've worked in the death industry. I, that's so crass, but 
I ran hospices for the bulk of my career. And I watched people really struggle with this existential question, what's going to happen when I take my final breath? And what I would propose is you can spend an enormous amount of time thinking about that, or you can simply live the dash. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think, quite honestly, as we get older, that is something that many people do reconcile with. You know, when you're young, it's all about uh, all the things that you want to do and you want to accomplish and you want to achieve and all of those kind of uh, areas. But I think when you do reach a certain age, uh, and, I, and it's going to be a different age for different people, but mm-hmm. you just basically relax, hopefully, into life yeah. and make the most of each day, you know, realizing that that's really all you can do is, is make the most of your day. Yeah. And at the end of the day, ideally, you focus a little bit on gratitude, you know, and what you've um, been able to enjoy or experience or you know, what you're grateful for, you know, at the end of that day. And I have kids even doing that because, I mean, when you and I are talking, that situation down in Texas just unfolded on Tuesday Uh and we're recording on Thursday. And it's just, it's so tragic because those lives were cut short. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that I've heard a single person talk about the person who died in anything other that they were angelic, if they were a child, they were always smiling. Um, they lived in the moment, you know, they had fun, they brought joy. I mean, they didn't talk about anything else. Right. And that is probably what our life ideally is. It is one that we experience joy and happiness and we give that to others. That's exactly right. So let me use that example to springboard. So I have a friend that called last night And she was wound up about the shooting in Uvalde. Now, don't get me wrong. I have deep compassion for those families and the people that were affected. I've responded to shootings. I've seen the tragedy. I understand the impact. And I also know that as we look onto that circumstance, we take on emotions deliberately. So going back to the example, she was all wound up about it. And although I want to listen to her and want to feel her sadness and sorrow, there's another side of me that that wants to say to her, it didn't impact your life. Mm -hmm. You're choosing to invest emotional energy in it. Mm -hmm. And why are you choosing to use your time in the present right now to focus on how angry you are about gun control, how frustrated you are about whatever it may be, the politicians, how sad you are about the sadness of someone else. And this might sound incredibly crass, but what I'd really like to say to her is, you're wasting an enormous amount of time right now that's robbing you from the present moment. Exactly. Right? now. On the flip side of that, I would also say to her, okay, if you're really that sad about it, get on a plane and go help some folks. Mm -hmm. Or if you're really that angry about it, I don't really care what you put on Facebook. Right. Do something to lobby the, the, the gun manufacturers. Do something to influence. Get off your ass and do something. Exactly. And how many people do you know? Because I know a lot of them who talk and they don't follow with any action whatsoever, 
to make a difference. Yeah. And I had a young man I was speaking with this morning um, on a, in a counseling session who is in a capacity where he truly can begin to make lives better because of what he's able to do. And so we talked about this. Yeah. Talked about the fact that, you know, this is just totally amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing I've know, I, I know, and especially it's germane to this post-COVID era, we tend to, instead of go inward and say, how do I really feel? What am I really reacting to? What could I do to make myself feel better? How can I live presently? We don't ask those questions. Right. Instead, we use what's called an externalized locus of control. And we get angry, we get sad, we get frustrated, and we take our existence and we, we adulterate it with what we think we should be thinking or feeling. You know, granted, for me to say, I understand, Mary, that you're upset about something that happened in Texas. I get that. But I also know that you're choosing to be upset. Mm -hmm. stop choosing to be upset or do something about it. Now, let me liken that to another example. In the context of relationships, we see people that develop such codependency on each other that they are only happy when their partner is happy. That's insane, right? Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, the way I look at it, if, if you and I are in a relationship and you're unhappy about the world, I'm not going to take that on. I'm going to support and encourage you. And I'm going to say, I hope you find your feet in this journey. But if I take it on, I'm part of the problem. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So, so then I'm going to say, how are you going to figure that out? How long are you going to stay in that crappy place that you're thinking you need to stay in? Is that working for you? And ultimately, I'm going to get to a point where I say, if you keep coming back at me, I'm eventually going to say, Lucy, manage your emotions, mm -hmm. right? And I think that, that we as, as human beings have lost sight of how to manage our emotions. Well, you know, part of the issue, Trey, is if they're being managed by either social media or television. Exactly. And so if you're giving your power away to whatever you're watching or listening to, the problem is you. It, it isn't anybody else. It's you. And so I tell people, turn off the television. Absolutely. Stop looking at Facebook. Stop looking at, you know, your pundits that are, you know, uh, shoving all kinds of thoughts and ideas down your throat. You know, what feels right to you? And then go do that. Right, right. Well, I, I, that allows me to springboard to the next idea. And that is the idea of emotional responsibility. Somewhere along the way, we have been indoctrinated to believe that our emotions are not our own. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if somebody's experiencing some type of violation, I'm supposed to feel angry about that, or I'm supposed to be enraged, or I'm supposed to be upset, you know, whatever it may be. If I'm incongruent in a relationship, I'm supposed to manage their emotions. Let me give you an example that just winds me up fast. I'm now watching in, in an entire group of people, and we watched this unfold during the pandemic, everyone's saying trigger warning, right? 
You see a trigger warning on Facebook, uh, trigger warning. I'm about to say something related to my own sex abuse or this or this or whatever it may be. So effectively, we're saying, I'm telling you all in the world that what I'm about to say is going to have some dramatic impact on you. Mm. That's illogical. That's irrational, right? <laughs> and basically, it's giving everybody a pass to say, you, you can be your own little snowflake and you can, you know what I mean? Like I, if I'm having an experience in my life or let me flip it, if you're having a negative experience in your life and, and you're so worried about triggering me, what you're really doing is giving me a pass to be irresponsible. Right. 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 So we've got to get back out of this idea that we're all triggering each other. And that's where it's so illogical. We don't trigger each other. No, we respond because we choose to respond. And it's taking that personal responsibility to understand that it's your choice yeah. and doing it to yourself. That's right. So, it, you know, it's a tough lesson because you have to look in the mirror and you have to go, yeah, you're right. I am doing this and I take responsibility. And now do I want to continue to do it or am I ready to move on? That's right. I had a partner that used to say, you make me so mad. I love this. I love it when people say, you make me so mad, or that circumstance made me so mad, or work made me so mad. Oh, it, uh, seriously, I did, you did, that did? Mm -hmm. You mean I have that much power in your world, right? Right. I didn't make you mad. You chose to get mad. So shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true right yes very very true so what i want people to think about is right now in these inflamed times whether it's uh racial issues or gay rights issues or abortion uh, you know we are choosing to become inflamed yeah and right. isn't that interesting i'm sorry to cut you off but inflammation kills the body inflammation kills the mind it's the it same thing it does and and i'm going to have us come to a close with that thought because that is a wonderful place for us to begin our next conversation so tell people very quickly how they can find you if they would love to have you as a therapist if they would love to have you as a speaker at an event how can they get hold of you well i uh have one point of entry upsizeyoursoul.com and that's where you can download all sorts of things I've written helpful guides journaling resources and if someone's interested that's the best way to get in touch with me Lucy I'm so grateful to spend some time with you today and thank you for doing the great work you're doing thank you for doing the great work you're doing I, I am so glad that our paths crossed all those years ago yes and, uh, we have remained in touch and I think we're both incredibly good friends so absolutely all right have a beautiful afternoon thank you Lucy you do the same and uh, we'll see you in a few months Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give 
give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomer's Forever Young products.